What's up, guys? Fourth Base Podcast, episode number 12. Cody and Matt here. We, uh, didn't really have, uh, any time to do a podcast last week, so we missed a couple of, uh, a couple big moves. We, uh, we didn't really get to discuss the, uh, Paul Goldschmidt trade, which was someone we had, we had talked about potentially getting traded. Didn't know if it was going to happen this offseason or if they were going to wait and see. Uh, you know, kind of how things are looking mid-season. But one big thing that we had discussed that I was actually surprised about was the fact that they didn't end up packaging him with uh, Granke to unload Granke's contract. But I think it's a good move for, obviously, for the Cardinals. You know, they should have – I mean, they just – if they can get production out of Ozuna this year, as opposed, like at the end of the season, as opposed to what they got out of him most of the season last year, you throw in Goldschmidt. You throw in Matt Carpenter in the season he had last year, you've got a legitimate MVP threat similar to what the Braves have now with Donaldson and Freeman. You've got that in back-to-back guys with Carpenter and Goldschmidt now, and that's not even touching on the defense that Goldschmidt provides. And he's still in the National League, too. That's It, it definitely bolsters their team. They were a borderline playoff team last year, and the only thing is Luke Weaver is – a pretty good pitcher that spent time in their rotation last year, so they gave up something. And what Goldschmidt's a we said free agent after next year. Yeah, he's making so, what, four, fourteen and a half million this year, but they've only got him for one year. So they gave up Weaver, they gave up catcher Carson Kelly, and then an infielder and Andy Young. Which I mean, it makes sense. They got a major league ready pitcher in Luke Weaver. Yeah. I mean, it obviously doesn't make up for what they lost in Goldschmidt. No, but, but they're I mean, they're going to have to pay him a lot of money next year if they want to resign him, but they they seem like they're ready to win now. And you could kind of tell with the team they had, they are a borderline playoff team. I mean, now just they're better than that. They have to be. Just from an offensive standpoint. I mean, you're adding in Goldschmidt, you're going to get 30 home runs plus 30 home runs. You're going to get 100 RBI. He's that rare, like, first baseman that can steal bases also. He's going to get you, you know, some stolen bases. He's going to get you doubles. But he's just – he's going to play every day. He started off so bad last year. And look and what, look what he ended, ended up doing. Yes, of, like, over 900. So and he still hit 280. Everybody was talking, oh, Goldschmidt can't, can't hit, hit a fastball. Yeah, he, he can't, can't hit, hit a fastball. Well, he figured it out pretty quick. Um, the other big thing that we missed was the Patrick Corbin signing with uh, the – that you know that team. <laughs> oh, the Nationals signed a what three year deal, hundred or three year deal, six, six year deal, one hundred forty million dollars. I mean, you knew the time was coming. You knew that they weren't going to sit around and do nothing. No. So they definitely did something. Yeah, I mean they've had. That's a tough one, two, three punch right there in your lineup. Yeah, we talked about Corbin last year, and his numbers are still up here, and I see. A 6.3 war, which is fourth in baseball, which is extremely impressive. But, I mean, on that team, I know their offense wasn't great. They had injuries here and there. It always seems like Pollock is hurt, and he's supposed to be, what, the second-best hitter on the team outside of Goldschmidt. And he goes 11-7. and Really, if you have almost 250 strikeouts and you're 11-7, and 315 ERA is extremely solid. I just and I'm not much for a win loss record. I don't think it means a whole lot. Obviously, it doesn't because of Degrom winning yeah, the, that's the, what I was the Cy say Young this year. So I don't I don't know. I and it, that's like that's that's his peak. 
the numbers you see are as good as it gets, I think, for Corbin. There's no way he comes anywhere close to that kind of season next year. Yeah, I don't – I mean, I've already said this. Like, I'm not going to be so hard on him now. Um, but, yeah, like, he ha- – it's not like he's done this for three or four years. It's just – it's kind of a – is it a flash-in-the-pan type thing? And I hope for the national sake that it's not because they've – the reason they got him was he wanted that six year. Everyone else was offering five. They gave him the six year. And, I mean, the money that they're paying him, they're not paying him – to go eleven and seven and then not win the division again. Exactly. They've got what five hundred twenty-five million dollars between Scherzer, Strasburg, and Corbin, and I mean you've got a nasty one, two, three for sure. But is that going to win them the division? I mean they just lost Harper. No, they have to bolster the offense. I said something about that. The offense has to get better without Harper, and it's looking like, you know, that that's not where he'll end up. It's not where, you know, no. he, he thinks he's worth more than what they offered, and they offered that a while ago. So he hasn't come back. He's, you know, still testing the market. But if he doesn't come back, I, I don't know. You you still – Daniel Murphy's still out there. I don't know what's going to happen with him, right? So so he goes – where did, where did Murphy sign? He went to the Cubs, right? In, Cubs. Uh, the trade deadline. I didn't yeah. see if he signed, but – if 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 it's not with the Nationals, I know he was injured a lot this year and didn't come back till you know like halfway through the year or something like See, that. But very but, similar but, trajectory to what Donaldson did though. But when he did come back, like I don't think that he necessarily had the power that Donaldson was showing. But Murphy came back and was effective. So are you really going to highlight Soto, who had a fantastic year, but? You know, Bellinger, we just talked about him a few. He went through the sophomore slump, and he was not great this year. Yeah. So, you, you, I mean, you, the, the guy's young. Soto's young. We established that. Him and Acuna, Acuna are two of the best young players in baseball. You know, they fought for the NL Rookie of the Year until Acuna kind of pulled away at the end. But, I mean, he was in the fight the whole time. And he put up, you know, he had a ridiculous month, month and a half. Well, and that's, that's the thing, too, that we haven't even discussed is if, if Harper does not Resign with the Nationals. Yes, you have Scherzer, but naturally you have to make Soto the face of your franchise. Yeah, you. you He's have a young to. guy, second year guy, and then how much pressure does that add on him? Plus, you play in in Washington, and the Nationals—they're very like you know a patriotic team. They're very you know America's team as far as like they're a bigger goes. market team. But, but but they they were quick, and it was easy to thrust Bryce Harper into that role. And I don't think they're fine if, if he doesn't come back to just be like, hey, you know, who's like you said, who's the face of their yeah. franchise? It, 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 it's Max Scherzer, of course, because he's still, you know, the best pitcher in baseball. But you need someone that can hit on the team. I, I don't know how deep they are. I mean, well, the only thing they've done on the offensive side is, or offensive side is who's the catcher they signed? Uh, they, they didn't sign Ramo. They signed... Uh... Somebody who's okay. The, who's the guy from the White Sox? Suzuki. They signed Suzuki at oh, the Braves. Yeah, I can't Braves. believe I blanked on that. Yeah. Bonehead move. And he's quality. He's a quality catcher. Yeah. He, he showed but that. He's, and he's getting and, older, too, though. Yeah. And that's the thing, too, is like when you talk about like you know their catcher position, I haven't seen anything about them even talking about the real Muto thing. But one question I did have for you was the uh, you know the big winter meetings were last week. Did you, did you have – I think we're – Pretty similar. We didn't really have like super high expectations. I had no expectation that Harper and Machado were going to sign. You know that's going to play out. I think it's going to play out just like it did last year. 
there's going to be nothing that happens. And then like the month before spring training, then all of a sudden everything kind of kind of rolls into place. But the only uh, and that'll be nice, right? To get Machado acclimated into your your uh, your clubhouse a month before the season starts. Yeah. If that's really the way you want to go, I mean that's a big move too. I mean not so much for him, but for Harper. Like Harper's never had to go into a new clubhouse and acclimate himself. I, if I were him, I'd want to sign as quickly as I could, just you know know where I'm going and get myself exactly. somewhere comfortable. Exactly. Yeah, that's that's my whole point. Is is these guys? We we talked about Machado. We I mean we've talked about Machado a lot, but but my point is he didn't really increase his value. That that was, that was my whole point. Is he he goes to the Dodgers, they go to the World Series, and his he, he's not. I, I, he's still the the hot ticket, the big you know the big market you know the guy's going to get paid. He's still going to get paid, but that doesn't. He was going to get paid if he stayed in Baltimore, and nobody cared in Baltimore because they were one of the worst teams in baseball. You yeah. put him in front of a camera and in in high pressure situations like these playoff games, like World Series games, and it doesn't seem like he keeps his cool. It seems like that's when the, the dirty player may come out. So yeah, he was I, exposed. I, yeah, he, he was put he, under yes. a microscope. Whereas in Baltimore, it was similar to Stanton playing. We had those discussions where Stanton played in Miami. He wasn't under a microscope in Miami, and but now he is under in New York. These guys, you yeah. know, these guys are coached by HR reps and stuff like that. Would you want to? Would you want to coach? Like, would you want to coach Machado? No, no, because it's it's you. You've already you know, someone is telling him. Don't say anything stupid. Just say you know, like you're you're. This is a, a team sport, and I'm only part of the team. And it, it's it's kind of like he took a lot of the bad press, rightfully so, because of well, some of the dirty away from yeah. you know, and brought it on the Dodgers. And it's not what they you know. It's the the, the well, highest. Well, I guess when you look at that trade, when you look at making a trade like that, it was a failure then, right? Because I got. I haven't heard. No, they that. didn't. Win. I haven't heard they did, that they, they didn't win last signing. year, and they didn't win. So this you didn't year. win, and, and you now had you, to give up something. I don't yeah, remember. What I don't it was, even remember what it was either. Right, but. you had to give up something, and you ended the it ended the same as it did last year. Yeah, and without you, a world series. you're not like a front runner to re-sign him now. So it's like it was a failure at that end too. But we were we, at the we same time. That, like, yeah. think about that with the Dodgers. Like it, they're they're not. I haven't heard them in the market for either of those guys, Machado no. or Harper. I don't know who they're in talks with. He, they did re-sign Kershaw and yeah, you extended kind of, Kershaw yeah, you or whatever. But what are they going to do offensively? We talked about Bellinger. We do you think? I mean, there's the always that potential, that had, though, for Bellinger to, to have that bounce back. And, and, and I fully expect that he will to be more productive than he was last year and be more towards the, his, his rookie year. They'll but, have, like, what else do you have? They'll like, have well, Seager back healthy at some point, too. Yeah. Which is a, a big add-on for them. But which is I've why seen, they don't need Machado. Yeah. They don't. I mean, you can get him to play third, but they have Turner at third. I mean, the, the, those two guys, and who knows what they're going to do at second. I don't know anything about Dozier or the status yeah. of anybody. I mean, I think it's going to take a lot of those guys getting signed to see where Machado and Harper go, and then then you go from there because you don't want to sign a Brian Dozier and then be like, oh well, if like we, who are these teams willing Machado, to settle for on the second or third tier? Yeah. And not wait it out for Machado. I don't know. I uh, like I said. I think I don't understand why why Harper's waiting to sign so much. But Machado, he's at least got that decision to make. Where it's you know, do I want to take a little bit less money and play shortstop the position that I want to play, or do I take a little bit more money and play third base because that's where the team needs. 
So I at least understand him waiting it out a little bit and at least having a decision to make. But it's not like Harper's, you know, trying to make a, a position switch or something like that. It's like I personally, I would want to sign and get acclimated. But, I mean, the only big thing that came out of the uh, the winter meetings really was the three-way trade between the Mariners, uh, Cleveland, and Tampa Bay, which in the process really blew up my uh, trade prediction for the Reds and the Indians. I had predicted with very little details, that Encarnacion was coming back to Cincinnati for a homecoming, and they were going to trade Kluber, and then they kind of blew that one up in my face. So Seattle gets Edwin Encarnacion. Uh, it was a 2019, I think the 77th pick in the 2019 competitive balance draft or yeah. something, which we don't even know what the hell that means, so we're just going <laughs> to move on. Um, they also got $5 million from Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay gets Yandy Diaz, who I saw a picture of him on Twitter, and the dude's like biceps are massive. I've heard of him. Yeah, he's a massive dude. Uh, he's so, supposed to be a good young prospect. Yeah, so that'll help with Tampa Bay for the next couple years. Um, they also got Cole Sulcer from the Indians, and then the Indians get back Carlos Santana. They get Jake Bowers from Tampa Bay, and they got a $6 million from Seattle as well. So, I mean... If I'm uh, if I'm Edwin Encarnacion, I'm probably not super happy right now. Though I just got moved across country to Seattle, who's clearly in rebuild mode. But from and, what I've seen, you know, who who knows if that's where he yeah. ends up playing at the beginning of next year? You know, he could get moved as part of some other deal with Seattle, trying to get some you know draft picks or something that they can add more to their rebuild. So we've, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how permanent this this is. Even even if he makes he makes it to you know opening day on their roster. Yeah, I don't I'm, expect I'm, him to stay. Like it doesn't make any sense for for, Seattle. for either one of them or or no, it, this to me says all right. Well, I can't flip this prospect for this guy that I want. I'm going to flip this guy for the, someone else, and then I'm going to hope that I can get him to a different team and get another piece that I want. Right, they've given know. up too much to bring in Encarnacion. I don't know what the status of Nelly Cruz is, but they, they're they you know, I've heard they, they're probably going to re-sign him, but I don't See, know that's, why. I don't, I don't, I don't know, know that I believe that, because yeah, I've why. seen there's, that there's, Tampa Bay was going to re-sign, or going to sign Nelson Cruz. That would be nice. And that, I mean... Tampa Bay seems ready to spend some money. But that's the thing is, I, do you tr- do you trust the Rays? I trust the Rays as much as I trust the Mets and the Marlins. I trust the Rays to make smart trades. I trust that they do their homework and they're not going to. You know, they're not going to overpay for anybody. No. You know, they're they they they're going to try to get young talent for cheap and develop them in their system. But you know, the Ray the Rays are never you know. Kind of like we talked about last time with the Braves, they're not if if they make a trade or they get rid of one of their guys, like they're. It's generally a, a smart call because they're always a team that's competitive. With they go for high value guys, yeah, exactly, and and they're 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 the best at getting guys that they can develop that they don't have to pay a lot for because and like I said that and you you know you mentioned Florida teams but Tampa Bay has some of the worst attendance of any team in baseball. And that's like That's just Florida baseball. Yeah, that's just Florida baseball in general. I guess there's just better shit to do in Florida than there is in So Tampa places. Bay does more with less, kind of like Oakland did last year, kind of like yeah, the teams like that. They do more with less. So I, I think 
who who's the guy they get they got rid of their their big pitcher at the uh, Archer Chris Archer. Yeah, they and traded he, Archer and they ended up getting he, Tyler Glass now from the Pirates. We discussed that during fan like we for did, fantasy. And he wasn't good. No, in, Archer in stunk so, and Glass now pitched really well and the the Rays still won 90, 90 games. And that's the thing. Like next year, you know, the Yankees are going to be the Yankees. The Red Sox are still fantastic, even though they really haven't done a whole lot to get anything going. But you still expect the Red Sox to like they won one hundred eight games. You still expect them to be really, really good next year. So yeah. you know, I don't even if they don't end up with you. You said, um, or I guess we'll mention that Joe Kelly later, but. You you said that you know with yeah they got to shore up their bullpen exactly. and stuff but like that, that. But that's but, it. But that's it. That's yeah, that's, that's, that's not going to outside of that. How many games is that going to cost you? You know, even if even if it costs you ten games, you're still winning ninety eight games. You might not win the division. Yeah. But I mean, but with, without Kimbrel and Kelly, like that, that's kind of it. it. You you need something to fill that spot. You don't need you know. To pay yeah, high dollar for it, but you, you need to get some value. Tampa Bay getting Yandy Diaz isn't isn't no. making you like shaking your boots. No, right? no, not at all. Not but that's the all. thing is that's what like what the Braves did is you always see them in these trades and you're always like who the hell did they get like who cares they got three guys that aren't going to play for another four years and then all of a sudden it's four years later and it's like oh they've got a lot of really good young guys do I trust them to hold on to them absolutely not they have um, the best farm system in baseball they have the most top-rated prospects of any team in baseball. So it's taken a while for them to get where they were last season, but they're, I mean... Well, and they signed, they just signed right Charlie back. Morton. The guy that we forgot twice to write down on the board is Charlie Morton. They signed him to a two-year, $30 million deal. So if he's healthy, you've got a decent, you got a decent pitching staff. I mean, I still don't... I don't think that you can put it up against the Red Sox, what the Red Sox and Yankees are bringing, but I think that they've got a solid chance at at least making the postseason next year with a wild card team. Like I don't trust the A's to do what the A's did last year, especially. I just the thing that I think the Rays and the A's are very similar teams because both of them you just look at them and it's like, all right, well at least at least the Rays had Snell, who won you know won the Cy Young, but it's like the A's. How did you get to where you were? You lost Manaya, your best pitcher. You literally had nobody. Jerome Cotton was hurt pretty much the whole year. Both those teams are the teams that really used the opener and tried that. And it's it, – I understand why they did and it. Last but. year, I remember at the end of last year when we were following um, the wild card race, especially in the American League, pretty much every week. And it got to the point where Tampa Bay went on such a run that they overcame Seattle and they ended up – right behind Oakland for that second spot. So there's nothing saying they couldn't play we had the written, Yankees or the Red Sox, and, and three teams from that division could go to the, the, the playoffs. We had written we had written the Rays off. Yeah, and they ended everybody up making did. That run. And, and, the that's Mariners. Fair. and that's fair of everybody yeah. to do that because of what they look like You know, halfway through the season. No team was hotter in the second half than Tampa Bay. And look at the pieces. They got rid of uh, who Logan Morrison and Corey Dickerson. Yeah. And then did this. Like, imagine if they'd have kept those guys. Well, Loma went to the Twins and Dickerson went to the Pirates, and neither one of them had a great year. Dickerson. I don't know. Maybe maybe they know more than we do. Yeah, Dickerson had an okay year, but I think Lomo had an awful year from from what I I recall. I think he he really declined, and he was was one of those 30 home run plus guys that the year before last. I think he made the all-star team. I picked because it was kind of weak at first base. If what I remember, carried my uh, my fantasy team that year, the year that Freeman got hit in the wrist and fractured his wrist or whatever, 
I, I'll never forget, I was in Indiana working. I saw it, and I was like, motherfucker, are you serious? Like, you got, anytime I see someone gets hit in the wrist, it's like, oh, let's play the waiting game. I'll usually know within a day or so, and then it's like, yep, on the DL. I immediately put him on the DL, and I picked up Lomo. And I think a couple weeks before that, I can't couldn't tell you who I dropped, but I picked up Dickerson, and both those guys just tore the cover off the baseball the rest of the year. And then couldn't get him again the next year, obviously. But, yeah, I don't know. I just – I think that uh, – I think Cleveland got a little bit better with Santana. I think he'll have a better season. He's getting back to AL baseball that he knows. He's getting back to a spot that he knows. I don't even know with that he numbers, Even with his 224 average last year – he had 110 walks, so the guy gets on base, and he always has. He's always an on base guy. He's always getting on base, even with low average. He's one of those, and he can hit for power. So, so imagine you know, if he gets even comfortable in a down year and starts. That yeah, even in a down year, up. he's extremely productive for. He still for hits for power. He still hits for power. So I mean, you've got him there, and like I said, he you know he'll be more comfortable playing with the Indians. Like I said, I don't think that Encarnacion stays in Seattle. And I think it's another smart move for Tampa Bay. They get a guy that's right at the cusp of playing, and they get another a younger prospect. And I don't think it was a bad move for anybody. But, I mean, I think it's kind of hard to call that like a blockbuster deal, and that yeah. was the, the closest thing to that that we really saw at the winter meetings. But, like I said, I didn't really expect a whole lot to happen, and I don't expect a lot of the signings to really happen until after either Machado or... Harper sign, and then I think that everything else is going to kind of start falling in like. I do. I think in the future we'll be. T- I, I kind of like what Seattle's doing. They they it's it's kind of like we want to be a legitimate playoff team, not a borderline second wild card playoff team. We discussed this. Like they've got to do something. You cannot. This move helps that they're going to yeah. get something. We'll be talking in the next couple weeks about Encarnacion getting traded to somebody else, and the Seattle getting. Something of value, something of value for him, and they'll go from there. Though I don't think that's why I'm saying there's there's no use in keeping him. There's no use in keeping him, and no. I don't know what he makes, but there's no use See. in paying him whatever he makes to make your rebuilding team a not great, this is somewhat a, shitty, borderline shitty rebuilding team. This is my question about him: is like, do you keep him? I mean, you, I guess you don't really need to keep him to prove his value. Like the dude's been consistent as shit for how, like pretty much since the Reds traded him. So I guess what I would want to do is, all right, we know our ballpark sucks and it's a cavern. So why not just get rid of him now before the season even starts, and just go from there? Like get rid of him before he can even start to see a dip in numbers whatsoever. I think that you you get rid of him. But I agree. I I agree with what you're saying about Seattle. They 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 have to do something. They can't make one trade and get from, you know, being that on the cusp team to becoming a legitimate contender. You can't do that with one move. What they're doing is they're pretty much blowing it up from you know, the bottom and getting rid of everything that they can get rid of. I never I didn't think that even no matter what they were doing, they would have traded Diaz even though, you know, we share the exact same thoughts on the, you know, having what value a good closer is on a on a terrible team. But I think that, you know, the Cano thing, shedding some of that salary helped. And to be completely honest, I have kind of softened up on that deal looking at it. I think that now the Mets not wanting to trade center guard, like everything that I was reading, makes a lot more sense to me. And like we had discussed, if the Mets are not in contention come all-star break, 
they've got one hell of a trade chip. Yeah. In Diaz. They'll be legitimate. They'll be I think they'll be legitimate for the first half of the year. And at that point if they realize that they're the Mets and they're a joke and their training staff is a joke and if anyone gets hurt they'll be on the DL longer than they should be that you know, if if they're like a five hundred team at the at the you know, anywhere near the trade deadline, like you said, that chip becomes worth a lot more. If he actually comes anywhere close to the numbers he had last year in Seattle. And at the same I think time, I think that, that, that people want to see that he that he can sustain those numbers and if he does that with the Mets and but they're not smart. If they're in, if they're in contention or anywhere close to contention, they're gonna be buyers and test sellers and then they'll fall apart even if they do buy anybody they just won't be sellers when they should be and they'll fall apart so they've been doing they're on the path that the mariners are currently on is they're just did the Mets do anything at the trade deadline last year they were in they were in the garbage last year they could have traded center guard last year they could have done anything they were that was the big talk was are they going to trade center guard or the grom exactly they didn't do anything and they're like no we're not sellers we're buyers now and we want an aging veteran to hopefully compete right now, but I mean that's the thing too. If you think about it, though, I mean it's obviously and a, a rare piece that, yeah, <laughs> a rare case scenario where you've got a, a playoff bound team that needs a second baseman. That could be a good opportunity for them to to shed Cano's contract, and maybe maybe that's maybe that makes them look look genius. <clears throat> yeah, you're gonna shed. shed his contract, you know. But what if? But this the thing is, we're not expecting the Mets to compete this year for the division. So what happens if that scenario does happen, where they can trade Cano and shed a lot of his money, but they get to hold on to Diaz for future purposes? Well, I mean, first that off, can make them look like a really smart to do anything smart. Which is yeah. a mistake, but, well, but uh, let's yeah, let's assume I said that they do. I softened on the yes. trade. Let's let's try. I feel like I've been too biased to them because the Braves are my team. I'm trying to give. I'm trying to look for the positives in the deal. They All do. Right? They have plenty of, of of quality pieces now. They have more than they had. So it's you know they're they're not I just in the feel mindset like that's always of the if case. you're not going to compete, get rid of everything you have that's worth something. If you have aging veterans, if you, I mean they. They they picked up his contract for five years. I don't. Who knows how long he'll play? Yeah. Uh, you know, for the Mets under that contract, there's no way it's five years. It could yeah, be I because mean, like you know he could put up average numbers for the next five years. The Mets will be a below average team, and you know, that's, or he that, could that's be it for off, his career. He could be off PEDs and be released and out of baseball in three years. You just never know. But like I said, I'm trying not to be be too biased with but that. Makes the Mets look. Silly too. If that I happens. just feel like the Mets always have talent, and they can, just, they can never put it together. Like if no matter what it is, if it's you know bad trades, bad signings, it's it seems like the last four years they're they're supposed to have one of the best pitching rotations in baseball, and you can't get the guys healthy. Like look at Harvey; he had the dark night and all this fanfare and all this. And then he falls off, and you know he had a, a decent, you know, comeback. His year ERA was over seven and a half when he went to Cincinnati. Terrible, just terrible. And, and so you're not even talking nothing, nothing productive. And I no. know he goes to Cincinnati, a team, you know, that has a better offense than probably the Mets do. Oh, for sure. But not as good of pitching. But he's at least productive. He gave the he gave mm-hmm. he he was productive. He pitched five, six, seven innings. And gave the Reds something. It's like you had 
something that was uh, perceived as nothing. And you got rid of nothing. You got nothing for it. They got Devin Mezzaraca, who was the backup catcher, who's never healthy. Never and healthy. I think he got he hurt looks like after. Gomez Adams a little bit. Okay. <laughs> or uh, Fester. Who's the one that puts the light bulb in his mouth? The ball guy? Yeah. I don't know. That's Fester, I think. Okay. Uncle Fester. This is why we do a baseball podcast yeah. and not an uh, Adams Family podcast. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. I just, I don't, I feel better. I, if I were a Mets fan, I would feel a lot better now about not hearing those rumors about trading Cindergaard after making that deal. But, like I said, I think even if Cano plays the way similar to we did. They should shut it down, him. though. If you are if you get nothing out of a pitcher after he's been Oh, great, yeah. That's the big question is how the great, hell did Harvey stay this... in the rotation and have a 7-plus ERA if your staff is supposed to be that good? And that's the other scary thing is he goes to Cincinnati, the place that can't develop pitchers that was my, if they're life-dependent exactly on it. That's my point. And all you, of a sudden he pitches better? You had a guy worth nothing. He went to Cincinnati and was productive. Like, that says the Cincinnati just fired their manager, who was their pitching coach before he was manager, because they're supposed to develop young pitching talent, all, the, all these draft picks that they've had and all these young guys, and they haven't done it. They haven't done it, haven't and that's why they got rid of their manager. And so, but this were, this is my question. Like, I don't want to get into this because, like, I don't. It doesn't matter. It doesn't. But this Matt, is Matt my Harvey big. Is not not even Matt Harvey, really. but just talking about the Reds. How do you how do you have a guy that's your pitching coach? You've had the struggles that you've had developing pitchers. How does that? How does that information evolve into we should make him our, our coach, our head coach? That's the I, I don't want to bash the Reds. I really don't. Um, so we're just we're just going to move on. He didn't on. develop any of that talent. No. Back, back when they had a good staff, they had Cueto, who was already good. They had Leak, who was already fairly effective ground ball pitcher. They had Bailey, who I guess wasn't hurt back then, which is why they paid him at some point. At some point, he wasn't hurt. And I really think that... That money they should have paid less to Mike Leake to keep Mike Leake, but Homer Bailey at that point had pitched two no hitters, which, which for some paid. reason, if you pitch a no hitter in, a, in an unimportant game, he then got you're paid irrelevant. for a no hitter in a what a perfect game or was it two no hitters? I think I I think it was two no hitters. I'm not sure. All right. Well, regardless of what it was, they overpaid him and, and that they has let fucked Mike Leake go. Since. And Mike Leake is a fairly consistent, you know. Between ERA between three and a half, four kind of guy who will go out there and give you six innings. He's one of those athletic guys. Yeah. I enjoyed he could watching. Hit too. I enjoyed watching him pitch when I went to a Reds game. Yeah, like he was that athletic. Type yeah, guy. I like his style. And they could have they could have kept him for way less than they paid Homer Bailey. Yeah. Homer but, Bailey got paid for two no hitters. Yeah, that's he, it. he got paid for two. He got he made his whole career already off of two games. But that's depressing, and I don't want to yeah, talk about no, the Yeah, no, no Reds talk, so let's move on. <laughs> oh, and one more thing. It is a positive about the Reds. It involves the uh, pickup of Tanner Roark this week. And uh, they got they gave up this guy. Tanner, it's, it's a Tanner for Tanner trade. I think the Maybe thing the I first read, ever. I think the thing I read said the first <laughs> Tanner for Tanner trade ever. So, Tanner for Tanner. So, Roark... Uh, Reds pick up what six point five million. He's good. For well, that one. was his salary last year. Right, he's so, arbitration eligible. So if he were to pitch like he did last year, he's not going to be making. I don't think he's going to be making much more than what he was making. But if he for some reason has a really good year, they could end up paying a lot more for him. But still, I don't think that 
makes it a bad trade for the Reds in any way, shape, or form. Every, like what, Exactly what we were just talking about was the fact that they have not been able to develop pitchers. They gave up a guy that isn't shit to them in Tanner Rainey, and they got at least a veteran guy in real work. Maybe he can teach these young guys how how some things go in baseball. Because, I mean, they didn't give up shit. Tanner Rainey, he had eight relief outings for the Reds and a 24.43 ERA. And I'm sure being a Reds reliever, those were some high-pressure situations. Yeah, very, very, <laughs> very high-pressure situations that probably made him crack. I mean, I think it's a good move, and I've always been... That I do, and I also read that the GM for the Reds said this was the first move of many, so yeah. to be continued on... You know any potential moves the Reds may make? I don't. I don't know what there was a lot of looking talk. into. There was a lot of talk about uh, the you know the interstate trade between them and Cleveland for Kluber. I discussed and we discussed you know him with the Reds because that that's been discussed. Um, but I mean we'll we'll see. I still I don't expect I don't expect the Reds to do anything like crazy to make them like a contender this year. Especially that's got to really suck the wind out of your sails when. Your division rival, the Cardinals, sign or trade for Paul Goldschmidt. I mean, and they didn't even win the division. The team that won the division yeah. were, you know, w- lost to the Dodgers in the NLCS. So they're what? Well, they could, they were too busy seven games that series. They were too busy signing the or trading for the uh, NL MVP the year prior. I mean, I, I it's a smart move for the Reds for from all accounts, but it's not going to do that much to really. I don't think alter the right. The rest they need, of their they're, they're a young team, but they need to try to stay competitive in a very competitive division. I think that Tanner Roark. I think he's. I've always been high on him. Like he's. Like I said to you when we were talking, he can have a terrible first half and then have almost a Cy Young second half. He's got that potential. So if he were to be able to put everything together for an entire season, it could be a phenomenal trade okay. for the Reds. He's Could on, be. on that Nationals team, though, I guess it's worth noting he was nine and fifteen yeah. with the most losses in the National League. Yeah, so he wasn't a great he maybe wasn't a change a, a of scenery spot. And yeah, maybe a change of scenery will do them. Plus, he's still in the National League, which is a you know a pretty big deal. Well, the uh, Yankees signed J. A. Happ to a two-year deal, thirty-four million dollars. Potential for a third-year option for $17 million, making it, what, $51 million total. He has to pitch 165 innings or 27 starts in 2020 to get that third-year option. Right, and the most likely of those two is the 165 innings, I, I would think. Say, I would say, yeah. yeah. Well, I don't know, man. With the Yankees' bullpen, it might be easier for him to make 27 starts. If he goes 27, let's say he hits 27 starts, how many of those are going to be five-inning outings where – it's like, all right, well, you've pitched well. Let's go ahead and turn it over to our bullpen. And the Yankees won't care if he reaches either one of those milestones. They'll be happy in in 2020. That means that they're getting more value out of him. And they'll definitely pay for that third-year option. So. They've got a decent decent pitching staff now, man. they got Severino, Paxton. It's definitely a good move. Yeah, agreed. Uh, the weird thing to me, I don't know why this just – I've been thinking about this since they signed him. They have three lefties in their rotation now yeah. with Hap, Sabathia, and Paxton. Yep. And I just I feel like that's very abnormal yeah, because everybody wants Severino a good lefty. And Tanaka as the only righties, which is it's it's kind of nice, right? It's gotta it's gotta be a little bit of cause of concern for you as a Red Sox fan. 
I mean, I think you guys still have a better pitching staff, but I mean, from one through five, Sabathia hasn't been terrible. Hap's been good. He had what a two thirty six ERA in the time he was with New York last year. Brought his ERA down to three sixty five for the entire year. That's still a very good pitcher. Yep. I mean, yeah, he's thirty six years old. Sabathia is old as well, but if you can keep Paxton and Tanaka healthy, and you get an entire season of first half Severino. That's a hell of a pitching staff. And they won how many games last year? A hundred. Over a hundred. Yeah, a hundred. I think exactly a hundred. And you've you've added Paxton and re signed Hap. Like that's not that's not a bad move by any means. And I've also heard that uh they're meeting with Machado this week. So that could be a I think it's only a matter of time there, right? If the Yankees really want someone, I mean if if you want to look at and it, if passes any indicator of future, then it's just a matter of time. If they really want him, they've been kind of, you know, Cashman's been real leery about Harper. I'll only bring be, that up. Do you so, believe that, so though? It seem, yes. It seems like they, because they need Machado more. I mean, he's... It fills the, the shortstop void. Yeah. They've got, I mean, I do believe and a see, lot of what Cashman said with six outfielders. Yeah. And he's right about that, but I mean, it, nothing is, I guess, beyond the Yankees. I mean, they could move him to first because they haven't had a, you know, that was mentioned, I guess. But the and you you said that earlier is that you know you mentioned that earlier is that why would they trade for somebody and pay him all that money if he's going to come in there at a different position in the first? Yeah, place? why would you spend that? That's a waste of money. money. On a guy to be like, yeah. here, we're going to try you somewhere now. Yeah. Well, I mean, I just think it would be weird if you know you had two of these. Big, big top dollar marquee free agents, and neither one of them signed with the Yankees. Like, that would just be weird to me. Speaking of former Yankees, uh, Andrew McCutcheon signed with the Phillies. Three year deal for $50 million. What was he, a Yankee for like five minutes? Close to it. <laughs> I just, I don't know. I think that they overpaid for him a little bit, but I think, on the, I guess, from not talking just like a on field production value, I think that he's a good veteran guy in a, in a very young very young ball club, and I think that he provides a lot of the leadership and stuff like that, but I still don't know that I'd want to pay him $50 million for three years. He won the MVP in, what, 2013? Yeah. And he was, like, top four or five in the MVP voting. For, he stays healthy. There's something yeah. to, to say for that. But he's, I mean, not, he's not hurt a lot. He plays every the day. Stat, what was the stat you said earlier? That 189 batting average against breaking balls? Tenth worst in all of baseball. Like, that's not good. His bat's decline. I mean, he's doing what an old guy should do, and he's declining. I I, I understand that, but how does an older guy get worse at hitting breaking balls and not fastballs? I would think you just blow it by him. You would think. I don't know. Maybe he focuses on hitting fastballs instead of breaking balls. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I get it. I, I think that that goes with what I've read about what Philadelphia is saying, and they're not going to wait all year and allow, basically saying they're not going to allow Harper or Machado to kind of dictate their entire offseason. So they, they traded for Segura. They signed McCutcheon. So they, they've at least got their holes filled. There's more value than paying $17 million a year for three years for McCutcheon that. There's more value out there. There has to be. I don't know. We're going to see what they get out of him. He's back in uh, – they do back they, in they home do, country. Good, so. good point by you though. They do improve defensively because they're yeah. going to move Reese Hoskins to first instead of left, 
And and what if that makes him more comfortable and his back gets better too? I mean, you there's a it's already a massive big defensive improvement. So that yeah, that there's something to say for that. Does it worry you? The one thing I didn't ask when we were talking about you know the Yankees. Does it worry you to see that they're meeting with Machado? Not really. Yeah, I mean it's it's inevitable that they're going to, you know, they they've been saving money. And they haven't been the biggest spender for that long. But I heard the other day that since 2000, the Red Sox have won the World Series four times and the Yankees have once. So at some point, they're going to stop saving money and not being the, you know, they don't be paid team two in baseball. Exactly, exactly. So they're they're the team historically that is willing to spend money when other teams are not, and it's only going to be a matter of time to where they're not the best team, and they won't go out and try to pay for these hot ticket, you know, free agents. Yeah. They're done with the you know building the young team. They're done. You know, they they've got a lot they, of good young and they prospects, do, and they yeah. do, and it now it's time, and they definitely think that adding a guy like that. Puts them over the edge, solidifying their starting rotation with J.A. Happ. We just talked about that. Solidifies that. So well, the Red Sox got to do something to shore up that bullpen because they like Kimbrel's a free agent still, and Joe Kelly signed with the Dodgers. So you've already got a hell of a bullpen with the Dodgers, and now you've lost Joe Kelly. And I understand like Joe Kelly's not Craig Kimbrel. True, but good for Joe Kelly for getting three year twenty five. Yeah, good, good for him for getting eight. Plus million a year for three yeah. years. I just I don't know. They they're gonna have to do something. They're gonna have to shore up that bullpen because the Yankees got they pretty much solidified their starting rotation, barring injury, of course. And the Yankees bullpen's been solid for going on three yeah. years. I don't know, man. I just I don't see Craig Kimbrell. He's wanting six years, a hundred million dollars, and I just can't see him getting that right now. Like I understand him wanting to be. You know, the highest paid closer ever. I would have, I still to this day, I'd take Kimbrell over Chapman, and I'm not once have I ever wavered in that argument. I loved Craig Kimbrell when he was on the Braves. It was a kick in the dick when he got traded. I understand, you know, obviously got us to this point, but yeah, I don't know, man. He's been, I think he'll probably go down as, you know, one of the, the best closers in baseball. I don't know that he'll ever be better than Rivera. If he continues to be dominant in his 30s, like, you know, like a Billy Wagner or a Trevor Hoffman or something like that, then, yeah, I could definitely see him being the best ever. But I just I don't know that someone's going to sign him for six years, $100 million. He's 30 years old, and I don't know. You don't. You just don't know what, what he's got left in the tank because closers can just up and vanish so quickly. And my point was to that was what is the market for a, a, like who 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 are the teams that need a guy need a lockdown closer like that and have a good enough team to you know warrant paying something like that and and the market is it's too small it's too small you're not going to get any team that's you know below five hundred so that knocks out like half the teams in baseball I mean there's only like five or six teams that really could use someone like Kimbrel to you know, really solidify, like, you know, maybe like Cleveland, something like Cleveland. But I feel Cleveland like willing to pay I don't something know. like that. And They're they, trying to trade Kluber to shed, right. to shed salary, you know? They're not going to sign him for that. If you're talking that kind of money, you've got to be talking Phillies, Yankees, 
Red Sox, nah, you know what I'm saying? Nationals, right, so like stuff yeah, like that. Five, six people teams, are gonna play that's money. It. Like I, I didn't get excited. I would love to have seen a reunite moment with Kimberwood being a Braves fan, but it's like I said that to you from square one. Like, there's no way we can pay him that. Right. If you and put this that is now, and you put that out there, and you put uh, you put it out there that you want a long term deal for this amount of money, then you have you know. 30 teams in ba- or 20 teams in baseball that aren't even going to come from But I guess, does that scare gonna, like, you? Does that scare you off enough that you're not even going to make an offer? Or you're still going to put it out there and be like, all right, well, we're not doing that. But what if we give you three years, $65 million? I don't even know what the fuck the math adds up to on that. I just don't know that he's going to get a six-year deal like that. I really don't expect him to, but... You never know with baseball, man. You just never know. So the uh, the LOL Mets also signed Ramos to a two-year, $19 million deal. Um, I kind of wonder what this all means for the Marlins and the JT Real Muto sweepstakes that's been going on because there were supposed to be six teams that were serious about getting Real Muto. It was the Reds, Dodgers, Rays. Padres, and then the Braves and the Mets. Did you just say the Padres? Yeah. The San Diego Padres? Yeah, they were trying to trade. Were serious about paying money for someone? No, they wouldn't pay money. They ended up trading prospects, and they've been stockpiling prospects. But the thing, the funniest thing I read was, I think it was last night, I read, it was at like 9 or 10 o'clock, that the Braves were one of the front runners to trade for Real Muto. And then I get up this morning, and it's like, Braves are not trading for him. Apparently, they want Ozzy Albies, and that's a no go. So, I Which just wonder. I just wonder if they're really gonna fuck themselves over to the point where they don't get really what they should have or what they could have because they're trying to get too much for him. You've got two years of contractual control left. Do you really think that's worth an Ozzy Albies who you've got another five years of contractual control again? Like you know what I'm saying? Like it just doesn't make sense. And even with the Mets, they were trying to get, like, I think Nemo, Inc., Forto, or something like yeah, that. Yeah, that's, that's just silly. like, no come way. on, Jeter. Like, what are you doing? You've you've gotten rid of, is this what the thing is? Is They've gotten rid of everybody else, so now they're holding on to that one last chip, trying to get way more than they can for it. And it's just stupid. It's been made abundantly. And they clear. are. And, that, and that, that's the Marlins. That, that's got to be their argument. They're not paying anybody, so they are in no hurry to do it. They'll, they'll, they'll let this go till. You know, they'll let Real Muto play on the same team practically that he played on last year and they'll be terrible. They don't I mean they don't care. They know they know what he's worth. Or you but know this they're they're inflated about what he's worth, but it's he still provides something that a lot of teams want and they know that. And they're not in a hurry to get rid of him and they're gonna try to get, you know, everything they can for him. But this is the thing. Okay, so like what we discussed is what the fuck are the Marlins doing? They've pretty much made a fire sale, and like what we were discussing was the Jose Fernandez tragedy, I think, changed the whole landscape of their organization. They had four guys they were going to build around. Fernandez, Stanton, Yelich, Ozuna. You've got your outfield, and you've got at least your one guy on the other side that's a pitcher. He dies, and it's like, oh, shit, what do we do? It's not like they, they traded him, and it didn't work out. Or he went and signed somewhere else. Like, you literally just lost him. Yeah. 
Terrible. So, yeah, you start blowing shit up, and I get that. And I understand also from, like, I understand all the hatred for Jeter and shit like that, but I get it. You just took over a team. You don't want to take over someone else's team. You want to make, you you know, you want to build your own team. You so want I, as many young prospects yeah, as you Yeah, and I understand that. Get. But why wait, in tra- wait, why wait on trading him? You've got two full seasons left of him right now. Any game he plays... He becomes less valuable, unless, of course, you're talking that he comes out and like blasts forty-five bombs or something like that. Then the the game changes, but that's not going to happen from a catcher right now. He might get a slight uptick, but at the same time, every game he plays, whoever trades for him is getting less and less time out of him. So why not trade for him now? What what is his value? He's a top. He's one of the top five catchers in baseball. Right, probably. he's basically one of the the one of the five catchers in baseball that has some sort of offensive upside, and there aren't a whole lot. No, but why try to get more value out of him than you can? I agree with you. And I, I think yourself the, I, over I, in the I, process. I know that that's it's it's hard to find an offensive catcher in today's baseball landscape, but and that that's where all of his value resides. So I, I don't know that, that that's really worth... Obviously, it's not worth what the Marlins think that's worth. Yeah. Agreed. And that's really what it comes down to. And they're stubborn, and you know they're willing to hold on, I guess. to Like you said, he's the last valuable he really you know, is. asset he's the last they, have. they have. And I just don't understand why holding out for him is your best option. Like, get rid of him now while you can. Well, anyways, the Braves and the Mets are apparently out of that with the Braves signing McCann. But they... They're not willing to part with Albies, so I mean, I don't know. I don't, I don't think that it would be a, a smart move for the Reds. I don't think that Real Muto makes you a contender in the division. Like, yes, he's a great piece to have, but it's two years. Do you think that your team's ready to win in the next two years? No, the Dodgers, yes. Rays, maybe. Padres, maybe. It depending on what the Padres do, and the Padres have the prospects to make some moves where they could get a, a you know, some some big name guys. But I don't know; it doesn't make sense to me for the Reds. But the Rays, like we were talking earlier, the Dodgers had two good catchers though last year. And Grandall, I know so, Barnes didn't have the the year he had the year before. Yeah, but and Grandall, of course, he also was kind of exposed a little bit there in the postseason with. You're not being able to be behind the plate, but he's still going to get paid because he's one of the better offensive catchers. But, yeah, he's a free agent, so, I mean, they're obviously looking for something to fill there, but I just, I don't know what, I guess, I mean, the Dodgers, they have to realize that they're not going to, this window's not going to be open forever. Kershaw's not getting any younger. And they do need more offense. Yeah. Well, I mean, that that could be a good move for them, but I just don't know. I don't know what, how many more prospects. How many more prospects can they get rid of before the they're really sacrificing? Either. The Rays don't seem like they're going to pay, and it doesn't seem like they want to give up, obviously, what the Marlins want. I don't know. I just, I guess, I mean, it could also just be the Marlins being like, oh, so your agent came out and said that you're not going to re-sign with us, so fuck us, well, fuck you. Then you're going to be the last chip here until you're a free agent and you can walk. And then even then, they make the qualifying offer, he declines it, they get a draft pick out of it and get that compensation. So, I mean, yeah, it's, uh, they could definitely get more, but at the same time, if it's Jeter being Jeter, 
he could just be like, yeah, well, let's play hardball then, Dick. I don't know. It's uh hasn't been quite as exciting as I hoped that it would be yet. Hasn't been a lot of guys signed yet. You know, you've still got some big names out there, like, you know, Dallas Keuchel. Well, the, I mean, the Padres are listed up there, and the Padres are known after the the Hosmer deal last year, right? Yeah. For making kind of some silly mistakes. And from what <laughs> I understand, no, seriously, from what I understand. They paid a lot the, for him. Yeah, but from what I understand, this team has a lot of young prospects, and they're supposed to be competitive in the next two years in that division. So maybe they want to do that a little ahead of time, and that's you know what they think they need to kind of you know take the next step. I don't know. Hosmer definitely isn't, but maybe they are willing to make a splash. I don't know. I've read something about them trading Will Myers to get anything of value they can out of him. Wow, like these couple these guys are maturing these last couple years or whatever. But I don't know. He doesn't have a whole lot of value now. You never know, man. You see the way, I mean, look at what McCutcheon made. People pay if there's really a need for it. And that's I mean, good thing. good point. Good point. I'd rather I'd rather have Will Myers than McCutcheon right now. Yeah, for sure. I would agree 100%. I mean, you just with McCutcheon, you never know, you never know when the the body's going to start to break down. How that's going to affect his value and everything and I don't know. He's I don't think he's at that point where he's going to start missing a ton of games. He just doesn't strike me as that type of guy. But I just don't think that his – I think his bat's going to continue to deteriorate. And I think that that's going to not be such a great deal come year three. But, like, when your owner comes out and says, we're going to spend stupid money this year, you expect some stupid stupid signings to be made. And maybe this is also kind of a little bit of a scare tactic by him – or not a scare tactic, but like a – negotiating tactic to be like, oh, you, Harper, you don't want to sign with us? Well, that's fine if you don't because I've already made, you know, my contingency plans in place and I spent $50 million to do it just to show you I'm serious. You don't want to sign with us? You don't want to sign with us. Good luck next year. Yeah, it looks like either way the uh, NL East will be a much improved division next year. I think it'll be the, probably one of the, the most exciting divisions in baseball. But I still think there's, you know, there's... What are the Nats going to do? Are you think they're going to wait to one hundred percent verify that Harper's not going to sign with them, and then they make some moves? No. I don't know. Everything I've read is basically them saying, "Look, we made our offer. He declined it. That's all we could offer." And then it's like, "Well, if we have a chance to sign Bryce Harper, we'll sign Bryce." You Harper. mentioned what a five hundred twenty-five million between three pitchers. Between three pitchers. Would they are they even interested? Is is I I mentioned that offer is that offer even still on the table? I, mean, I, I would assume so. So like let's just base it off that number alone. That's three hundred million dollars. You're talking almost a billion dollars for four guys. For four guys, three pitchers and a right fielder. That's a ridiculous amount of money to even think about. And like we were talking too about the um, the offer. I'm blanking right now on what it's called. The qual- just, what, qualifying, qualifying offer? offer, good lord. Um, that's gonna be what, like eighteen million next year? It's basically going up like a million dollars every year. In like five years people are gonna be making twenty plus million. Even if it's like if it's a guy that oh man, I don't know if I uh if I really wanna pay him that much. Like what are they gonna do? They're gonna have to do something. I feel like they're gonna have to do something with salaries because this shit 
is just getting out of control. Plain and simple. Like we're talking three hundred million dollar contracts now. What did uh, I don't know what JD what did JD Martinez get to come to Boston? I don't remember. I what think his they got a fair was. deal, but he's essentially a DH and a very very poor defensive player. Yeah. So talk about only paying a guy for his bat when you bring him over from the National League. Like, you know, I I don't know what his negative DRS rating is for defensive run save, which I'm sure, you know, was a very poor number, but I, I don't, I don't, I just don't know. And they, they, they feel like they won in that deal, right? You got to feel like with the year that Martinez had, he was up there he in, signed in the MVP vote. Five year, one ten. So even if you like make that out for, you know, 10 years, over you know, you're looking at year. 220. If that were the way it worked, but yeah, no, you said, what, just, you said what five years, one hundred and ten. So I mean, that's still like you're not even anywhere close to. If you're talking just five years for Harper, I mean, you're probably talking what two fifty, something like that. If that's that's the route that I would go. If I had the money to do it, I would offer him more money for a shorter amount of time to just guarantee. I mean, of course, it's not a guarantee, but just to hopefully ensure that I don't get stuck with him for five years where he's not even an average baseball player because that's what I feel like is going to end up happening. I don't know. How the, the, the talk, and everyone knew ahead of the season, was going to be, and it looks like you know you always have one big free agent that's out there. Like I think last year it was J.D. Martinez, right? When he can, and it's like especially hitters, you know, uh, the pitchers are always there. There's always people overpaying for good pitching because it's hard to find, especially starting pitching. And I completely understand that. But as far as hitting goes, like you know, they paid you know JD twenty two plus. They definitely think they got value for that because you know of what they did this year and what his numbers were. But it's it's that that seems high to me. That seems way too high for. For for Harper, I don't. I think the Nats feel better about paying the money to Corbin than they do paying all this money to Harper. Agreed. And I would take I would take that J D Martinez deal. This year, this year, I don't care what happens. You never have two. It's it's weird because this year there's two big free agents that are out there, and it's like everybody is doing it. The winter meetings, we talked about that earlier. We're talking about a few teams with some minor pieces here and there and Canarcion and Santana, and it seems like everybody is waiting for the Yankees to make a move on Machado and somebody, Philly, you think Philly maybe, to make a move for Harper. And it's like, I guess everybody waits for that, and if it happens, then all the – you know, second and third tier, the minor pieces fall from there. And it has to be that way. I just don't see it working any other way unless everybody just gets sick and It's just weird to see two big free agents controlling the market because that definitely seems like... And then you have, we just talked about the stubborn Marlins with Real Muto, who's the other, you know, second tier piece behind Harper and Machado who's really worth something that is valuable to a lot of teams. So it's, it's, it's really strange to see... Two big free agents. It, usually, it's only one big free agent that dictates the market, yeah. and it it's not. It, they don't wait forever because you don't want to. What you want to acclimate, uh, you know, yeah. a guy that you're paying that much money into your clubhouse. So hopefully, he adds something more than just numbers on on you know on a spreadsheet. It's that damn Scott Boris's fault. He's ruining baseball. I'm kidding. I don't care. 
But I think I do think the money situation's out of control, and I think that's gonna have to change. The one thing I do want to talk to you about real quick before we wrap up is I texted you. I think it was last week when I read something about the shift, and we didn't even talk about this. We had no time to prepare for this or anything like that. Like, I just want to bring this up to you, and I don't even care. That's fine. How the fuck are they gonna control how you shift? It, it how how they do that is the way that they're going to define a shift and what is the penalty for performing a shift because it's all in the definition. So baseball, they write this up and everything is followed rule by rule and everything is, you know, there's a rule for everything. Everything is dictated by rules in baseball. So they're going to have to define what is a shift. So teams know that they can shift enough to not break the rule and not mm-hmm. get what I mean. Who even cares? Maybe they'll still shift because the penalty. It's it's like I don't think the penalty was all that bad for. They added all the mound visits. They they this year they it was only you could only have like seven mound visits a game. I yeah. think was the number. So so they added that this year. But I don't think that the penalty for breaking that was all that severe. So it's like it, you know it, it wasn't severe enough to where if you're in the bottom of the ninth, there's two guys on base you know, no outs, and your reliever's up, you're going to go say something to him if he's, you know, thrown four balls in a row or five or whatever, so... I guess that kind of does depend on... You have to... What's the, the rule? Or Major League penalty? Baseball will have to specifically define what is considered a shift so they know that, you know, if you do it, you'll be penalized, or maybe you can only do it twice a game, or I, I don't you know. You know what the solution it, it, is? It's silly. Just fucking hit the ball the other way. Stop pulling the ball every time. That, I mean, what are they trying to say it. with that? They're trying to say that we, the shift, I think, works. It definitely works for specific players. Yeah. Specific players are weak against the shift. Harper, Harper is one of but them. But you look at a guy like Freddie Freeman, they shift against him, and he still hits over 300. But that's fine. Just, then you go back, you know, th- there's so many analytics. Then you go back and you stop shifting on, on Freeman, and you only shift on guys like Harper or guys that you really have to. So you don't really it's it's strategic and they know the numbers behind they you know uh, opposing managers know that these are Freddie Freeman's numbers uh, you know against the shift and they know that he can hit oppo and and he can you know he can he's a shift breaker or whatever they call shift buster so you're not going to do that there's no defensive you know benefit to doing that with a guy like Freeman but there are plenty of people that hit into the shift far too often to where it's a it's a helpful defensive tactic a lot of the time. So I just feel like who it's who cares? I mean it, it, so what what's the point in major league? They're saying that we they don't want more hits. They, they, they want, want more hits. runs. Exactly. Yeah, they want, want the score to go up. So if the score goes up traditionally in baseball, it takes longer to score more runs. Innings last longer when teams score three or four runs in an inning, especially when there's pitchers that come Pitching in and changes. out. Now, all that all that <clears throat> seems to go against what Major League, the real underlying issue for MLB is length of games. They think people get uninterested because nobody wants to watch a you know, three-and-a-half-hour three and and baseball game. Yeah. And they don't want to do that on a Monday, and then you know that team plays four other times that week during the regular mm-hmm. season because it kind of diminishes the importance of that one game. If it's so long, it's like you know they lose. Who cares? Yeah. You know they come back and do it again the next day. Well, I just I don't understand because like if you're trying to make 
morons and everything like that, that's not going to affect strikeouts. And that's what your biggest, that's your biggest rise is strikeouts. So if you're trying to affect baseball and kind of give hitters a little bit more of an advantage, then why not? And I think we've already discussed this before. I think we discussed this probably mid-season. Why not drop the pitcher's mound then? If that's the problem is these guys are getting too many strikeouts and it's just making the game not exciting, then change the pitcher's mound if that's no, the case. But that's, what, that, that's why I don't understand why home runs were kind of down this year because apparently, you know, I heard, and this is all speculation. Is that because of the, the, the balls? Ball. Yeah. The de-juice ball is the reason that, you know, Lomo didn't hit 30 home runs this year or neither did Dozier or, you know, whatever. All these guys that, that had a decrease – and home run you didn't hear blister issues this year. Maybe they did change the ball back. And, and there's so conspiracy folks. That's yeah. what we're here to <laughs> unleash and uncover and get into is the conspiracy. And there's definitely, if you're a conspiracy theorist, there's definitely stuff like that that that, that you have as an argument for it. Yeah. But to say what you will, baseball wants. They don't want guys on base. They don't want small they ball want because runs. it takes. They want home runs because small run, ball is long, long games. exactly. And it's it grindy. You get more pitching changes when guys are on base. Pitch, you know, pitch counts go through the roof. Home run, it's one pitch. Guy rounds the bases. It takes you know two minutes. You pitch rounds the, the ball uh, again. Next pitch is thrown. You went to the Reds Braves game with me that one year, didn't yes. you? When we uh, we all went, we sat in the right the, right uh, foul. Yeah, yeah, and that one inning literally lasted like over an hour. The bases were loaded. There was a challenge play. I think I drank three beers that one inning because it lasted so long. But we were at the game, so that was sweet. Yeah, yeah that, I mean, no, cool, no, but, and I love baseball. I don't care. I'll sit there all day. It but if I'm, yeah. if, but but if I'm at home, saying, if I'm definitely going to, you know, I'm, I'm going to flip the channel when, they, when they're when they on their third pitching change or, or whatever yeah. for that inning. So, But that's the thing is we're obviously different viewers than a casual baseball fan. They don't want to sit there for – one inning lasting an hour. Like, they don't want to sit there for that. So, I mean, I get it, but I just don't understand. I don't understand. I feel like there's too many ifs, ands, you know, like too many different things going on in order to to limit a shift. Like, do you say the, the shortstop can't cross second base? Then what happens if the ball's hit deep into the hole on second base? And the short, you know what I'm saying? There are so many different variables. I just don't understand how it's going to to make sense. I think that it's a stupid problem to try to fix. So it's something that does happen before the pitch, though. So if yeah. you, if you, if, like okay, you said, I, I shortstop can't go. Okay, so then this is my question. So, so what happens? Well, so happens are you covering second for like a pickoff? But are you, no, but are you really going to, and, and that's during the play. Well, I guess, you know, he can cover second, but he can't go past the Yeah, I just see, line. like, already the fact that we're having this discussion is going to cause problems. Right. And I'm sure other people that get paid more money have already oh, discussed yeah. this and, you know, how they're going to try to implement it. But but what happens, you know, so they, they break the rule and the ump, the ump behind the plate sees the shortstop passing second base. I mean, would it stop the game? I yeah, mean, what, what are you going to do? do? I guess like, the thing give, is... Give the you... hitter a, a ball... Or something like it, 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 it seems inconsequential in the grand scheme of things yeah. because there are guys, like you say, that can break the, the shift and it's not beneficial 
to have that defensive lineup. I think if you're trying to cut down, like if you want to not necessarily cut down on the time, but if you want games to be more exciting, I think that then you've got to change the pitchers down. Do you ever see That's anyone run the shift the against a right-handed hitter? Not really. Not really. Because really. you can't you can't pull the first baseman. But even then, like you don't see guys like second baseman standing, you know, on well, sort of like the on the shortstop yeah. side of the bag. You just don't see it. It's generally left-handed hitters. But I mean, that's my thing. Is like look at a, a guy like Freddie Freeman. Hit it, hit the ball the other way. Exactly. Don't pull guys it. that can do that. And, just and hit the look, ball the other way, and it's that, like that a fixes huge your target issue. for Teach. the hitter to say, "Wow, look at all that space over there." What some of my favorite things I've ever seen are when Big Poppy bunts, like when he lays down a bunt down the third base side because of the shift and like hustles one out. Those were always uh, those were always good. Well, um, it's fun for baseball and yeah. it adds something to the defensive strategy. And, you know, you mentioned that all these guys are getting paid for hitting. Nobody cares about defense anymore. It's only about home runs. And now apparently baseball cares about, you know, manufactured runs and and whatever, more guys on base. But, no, that's not going to speed up the game. No, and it's baseball's just evolving, I think, because, like, we've had multiple discussions about the leadoff hitter not being a, you know, fast bunting guy. How many times do you ever see a leadoff bunt in baseball? Where it just doesn't happen. The game's changing. It's power pitchers and power hitters. People don't want to see guys laying down bunts and advancing the runner. They want to see guys hitting, and home runs. Yeah, they want to see a guy get struck out by a 101 or 102 mile per hour fastball, or they want to see a guy take a guy 480 feet deep. That's just, that's what you want to see, plain and simple. Especially I mean, in fantasy. That oh, adds yeah. to the value in fantasy. Yeah. I don't know. There were so many guys that were just middle-of-the-line guys last year that were viable because they hit 30-plus home runs. Yeah. I mean, like Santana, I feel like he's a good one in that. He's got some power, but his average, like if if we played in a he league. He has high walks, though, too. Yeah, but if we played in a league where average mattered, he would not be nearly as valuable as he was. And I picked him up as a free agent. Someone had dropped him, and I was like, okay. And, yeah, I get it. Looking at his average, I was like, oh, holy shit, how's he scoring these points with a two twenty batting average? It just didn't make sense. So I just left him he on gets the on squad. Base and hits and for I, power. I just rode him all year, and it all worked out. But uh, I think that's pretty much that's pretty much everything, all the, you know, the big stuff that's happened. I don't know when, when we'll be seeing other stuff really kind of start to fall. Like we said, Chato and Harper is going to dictate what everything else happens. And I do. I, I hope don't think that's going to happen for a while. I do. I, I, I hope, though. They do. I hope that they do that. I hope that they get those two out of the way. I hope they make a big splash wherever they go. I don't really care at this point. And then I hope all these other pieces that are actually going to, you know, we talked about that. We can't get into, you know, preseason fantasy for next year. We can't get into divisions. We can't get into anything for next year because we don't know where these two guys are going because every piece it feels like is just waiting to fall for this to happen. Nope. So nope. get it out of the way. Let's Hopefully. move on. Let, Ed, let's let's have like 20 trades to talk about in the next. Fingers crossed that like next time we do a podcast, we can at least discuss one of Harper or Machado signing. But that's uh that's all we got. So we will uh we'll see you guys next time. Have a good one. Thanks.